I'm excited to be here again today. Apparently the vote after service said I could come back, so thank you for that. Appreciate it. Um, we are in the second of a four-message um, series on living and growing in the fullness of Christ. And how many of you were not here last Sunday? If you were not here, um, someone's got a hand up. I would love to hand out to you that will help you uh, keep track of where we're. So keep your hand up if you weren't here last Sunday. I'm going to do a bit of a summary of where we were last Sunday because that will bring us to where we're going into today. So uh, last Sunday we started out and we kicked it off and a little preface on this stuff is a lot of this comes out of uh, two years of conversations and sessions with about 30 local pastors called Shifting the Focus. And this next visual just kind of shows this is what we have been going through. And this visual shows the question of are we helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ living in the fullness of what he has for us, or are we maybe settling for what we've come to affectionately call our American cultural Christianity, which is really all about you. It's this idea God loves you, wants you to have a good life as you define it, and he'll help you get that. And it can be a bit self-centered, and so this has been really a, a deep conversation and some real wrestling with this amongst local pastors and leaders. And one of the simple differences we use to describe it is it's a difference between inviting God to be part of your life or giving your life to God to be part of his mission. Um, so that's what we've been wrestling with over the last few years, and, uh, and we're still wrestling with it. Um, and it's, there's not an easy answer because it comes down to a personal question, again, of surrender, right? Am I, do I just want God to bless me so my life is a little better, or do I want to surrender my life to him? So one of the things we realized in this, and the scripture that's been driving this, is Ephesians 4, uh, 11 through 13. And this is where it says, Jesus himself came to give the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that they that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And that last line has been kind of the one that has been really resonating and is asking the question, are members of congregations becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ? And one of the things we've realized is we maybe need to do a better job of describing what this fullness of Christ is. So the next vision we've been using is this, where we look at the life of a follower of Christ in three kind of categories. One is that personal relationship, that we have a personal, intimate, dependent relationship with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Second one is personal transformation, that our lives are changed. Scripture says we have a new identity in Christ. We're a new creation. There's a new nature that we can partake in, and it brings transformation. We're no longer the same. We're no longer bitter, selfish, angry, scared people, right? We're living in peace and joy and freedom. So we recognize that's a big part of it. And then the third part, obviously, is the part we talk about a lot, too, is the disciple lifestyle. We're living it out. We're loving, serving, caring, transforming our community, loving our neighbors, that kind of thing. So we looked at this and saying, this is what we're looking at when we talk about being a fully devoted follower of Christ and living in the fullness of all that God has for us. And then the next slide is what we did with these cards, now that you all have one probably, is we ask kind of, where are you in this? And we kind of walk through this and said, what is the reality of your experience with this? Is this something I've heard about? Is it something I've tasted? Is it something I'm believing and accepting more and more? Is it something I'm living in? And so you kind of did a little arrows or whatever you did on your circle, but it's kind of that awareness piece. And one of the things we say is it's not so much where you are, but it's being aware of where you are. Because if you're aware of where you are, and if you're aware of what's possible, then we can move in that direction. And a lot of times, one of the conclusions we've come to is a lot of times we settle for a lot less than what God has for us. And so last week we kind of talked about this and you all put lines on there. And whether the number's you know, specific or not, 
Think about this. There's a reason that some of your lines are longer or shorter than others, right? There's something inside that says, ah, there's probably more joy to be had. <laughs> you know, I'm not tasting all that God has for me. So, so I just encourage you, this is a good exercise just to think about it in our lives. If this is what God has for us, then where are we at? And I think most of us have room to grow. There's more of God to be experienced that I still want to experience. So we all have room to grow, and we shouldn't settle for less than that. And then we ended with this question right here. The question was, do you want what God wants? If you know God wants you to have more freedom in your life, doesn't want you to live in bondage, he wants you to have freedom, he wants you to have peace. If you know God wants that for you, the question is, do you want what God wants? And quite frankly, we have to recognize sometimes we're not sure we want what God wants. <laughs> we realize he wants more of this for us, but we may not. And so, again, I just want to encourage you to keep asking that question. And last week, then you, those of you that weren't here last week, on the back of your thing, there's a little sticky note. And what people did is they wrote on that sticky note, God, I want. And it's really just a confession that, God, I do want what you want. God, help me to want that more. Help me to experience that more. And so we had about 70 or 80 responses, and I'm just going to read a few of these things that you guys said you wanted. I want to trust you more. I want to rely on you more. I want to grow in my relationship with you. I want to completely trust you. Trust was a big one, came up over and over and over. I want to be free and fearless. I want to be free to serve and love others. I want more peace and more joy. I want freedom from myself. I want Holy Ghost power. These are good I wants. And they're the same I wants that God wants. We know from his word that he wants these things for us. And so that point in time when we confess we want what God wants is a powerful moment. It's a moment where things can begin to change because we have agreed with God and we have said yes to God. So how many of you would say you have a testimony, and I'm not going to make you give it right now, but of where you testified, you confessed last week, I want more of this, and you experienced more of something? How many of you experienced more of the thing you said you wanted? A couple? A few? Okay. Otherwise, we'll do it again, right? <laughs> because our confession needs to be we are no longer going to settle for a little and call it a lot, because it's not. A little is a little, right? So I just want to encourage you, if you have a testimony, give that to someone before you leave today. That's how the body grows. You read the, the rest of Ephesians 4, read that whole chapter. It's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ working together, encouraging one another, speaking with love to one another, and seeing the whole body grow together. We desperately need one another. We need to confess to each other, and we need to testify to each other. This is happening. God is changing my life. There is more to be had, and I'm tasting it. So I encourage you, don't, don't give up. If you wanted something, you didn't get it. Uh, my first assumption is it's not that God doesn't want you to have it. <laughs> Sometimes maybe we didn't want it bad enough. With some of the young adults, we used to talk about how bad do you want it? And we said table pounding bad. We have to want it that bad. Because if we don't want it that bad, we probably won't get it. We probably won't go for it. So I encourage you to want what God wants and to want it bad and continue to testify of that and encourage and remind each other in that. So be hungry. The prayer is that we're hungry for more of God. And I believe if we're hungry, God will meet us in there and he'll lead us into the deeper walk. I love, uh, uh, it was Jeff, the gravitational pull of God, right? Pull us in. <laughs> Suck us into that. Take us into that deeper, intimate walk with you and that life that you say is possible for us. So that kind of brings you up to speed. One of the things we showed last week with this visual of the branch and the vine. 
which has some of the same elements as our circle. The first thing is this is relationship. There's this intimate, dependent relationship with the vine that the branch has. And in that case, then the branch is transformed. Transformation happens. And guess what? Fruit comes out of that. Our lifestyle will be different. So, so this is the same kind of thing as that. And the idea is that we have to focus on the relationship. One of the things I want to say about that, that's what we're going to go today. One of the things I want to say about this picture is that um, the fruit is not the result of a well-managed life. The fruit is the evidence of a well-connected life. The fruit in your life, the evidence is going to come because you are so well-connected to the vine. It's not going to come because you worked so hard to make some fruit. I did that for 18 years. I worked hard to make fruit. And some fruit happened. Some was just a lot of hard work. (laughs) But once you get connected to the vine, fruit just starts to happen. It's the natural evidence of being connected to the vine. So that's where we're going today. We're going to talk about this relationship piece and how important that is. And the question is, what does God desire for us in our personal relationship with him? And what does it look like to walk in the reality of this relationship with Father, Son, Holy Spirit? And how can we grow and mature in that relationship? So let me pray, and then we're going to dive in here. Father God, we come again this morning with the same confession we came with last week, and that is, you are God, and we are not. And it is by your love and your grace and your mercy and the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we have the right to be here this morning. We have the right to be called children of God. We have the right to be part of your body, to be part of your kingdom. And so it is all you, God. We come with that confession. And our confession is also that we need you. We need you to learn and grow and live in this fullness that you're inviting us into. It's not a matter of us doing a bunch of things. It's a matter of us receiving the truth, the reality, the great and precious promises that you have for us, and that we would grow in the knowledge of that, in the knowing of you. So, Lord, we just trust this time to you. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be the one leading and guiding this, and you would be the one that brings uh, revelation, invitation, conviction, whatever it is that we need, Lord. You know for each and every one today. So we give this time. We don't, we don't give this time to you. It's your time. <laughs> we confess it's your time. <laughs> we surrender to your lordship in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You all should have a paper there that you can take notes on if you like. Don't read the back side yet, just the front side. I know some of you probably already read that. front side is just for, for your taking notes if you like. So here we go. This morning what I want to do is I want to share some really good news in the form of a reminder and an invitation regarding this amazing relationship that God invites us into. It's an amazing relationship that God invites us into. And so I want to talk about that this morning, the good news of who God is and the relationship we can have with him. And this is the good news that Jesus came to share and to demonstrate. You can go ahead and put up the next slide if you want. I think, yeah, this is just, so this is what we're looking at today. We're looking at the living and growing in this relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I love the confession, that one song that we believe, right? We believe in the Father. We believe in the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in them. We also get the opportunity to know them and live life with them. That's what Jesus came to do. So when Jesus first came on the scene, one of the introductions to Jesus and the kingdom of God is in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The Sermon on the Mount is really the introduction to the kingdom. Jesus comes on the scene and says, here's a new way of doing things. It used to be like this. Now it's like this. There's new ways. There's new relationships. And if you read that discourse, 14 times in those three chapters, he mentions the Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father, 
our Father, our Father in heaven, right? That was good news. Those people would never have called God their heavenly Father, right? The Jewish folks, the Old Testament, he was far off, Almighty God, Yahweh, send a priest in to talk to him because we can't talk to him, right? It was not this personal, loving, heavenly Father. So that was the first good news gospel that Jesus brought when he came on the scene. He said, he's your heavenly Father. He loves you. He'll take care of you. Don't worry. He'll provide. It's just a beautiful three chapters of red letters where Jesus describes this new way and this new relationship. Some of the scriptures of Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Right? Are you not worth much more than they? In Luke 12, he says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly, gladly, his kind intentions towards us has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. And throughout the rest of his life, you follow the life of Jesus, read through the scriptures, and he continues to reveal who the Father is. And at the end of his life, he says this. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. That was one of his top priorities in coming to earth was to reveal who this heavenly Father was. And he reveals him as this amazing creator that's loving, he's caring, he knows your needs, he's trustworthy, he's protective, he's merciful. All these things he describes, this is who the Father is, and he is a good Father. Yeah, he's a good father. So this is the first good news, that there's an amazing heavenly father who loves us and cares for us. And who are we? We are his children. In 1 John, it says this, How great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Exclamation point. I think the exclamation point is in the scripture, right? And that is what we are. <laughs> that is good news. That, is a, that deserves an exclamation point. Because of who he is and because of his great love, this is who we are. We are his children. In Romans 8, we're reminded again, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is part of our new identity. We are God's children. So the first good news, there's this amazing loving Heavenly Father. He cares for us. He loves us. We are His by His love and His grace and His mercy. And how do we respond to this? We respond by saying, yes. <laughs> right? There's not much else we can do. It's His love. It's His grace, His mercy. And we need to accept that and enter into that relationship with the Heavenly Father. And that involves not just believing. We sung, we believe you're the Heavenly Father. But it involves trusting Heavenly Father relying on Heavenly Father. That's what we need to do to enter into that amazing relationship He has for us. The second good news, so first good news, Heavenly Father, we can have a relationship, we respond, yes, we want that. The second good news that Jesus reveals is the good news that He is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He is the Christ. He's the one who came and gave His life so that we could have this relationship with the Father. And that we can have eternal life. You know how Jesus defines the eternal, eternal life? John 17, 3, Jesus says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is that we would know them and live in relationship with them. 
not know about them, but that we would know them. This is eternal life. So when does eternal life start? When we die? No. It starts now. It starts when we enter into relationship with him. Eternal life starts now. We can know him and live in relationship with him now. So Jesus came, and part of his identity, obviously, Jesus says in Luke 19, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. One of his first identities is he came to us as Savior. In 1 John, we hear, We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So we know. Most of us know. Most of us came to meet Jesus in that context. He is a Savior. He came to pay the price to redeem us, to reconcile us, to bring us to the Father. Another part of Christ's identity he unfolds in Matthew, again, in the red letters, he says, Matthew 11, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus lets us know he is the teacher. He is the one who will teach us. He is the one who will demonstrate. He tells the disciples this early on, and then he spends the next three years demonstrating, right? right? And showing them and teaching them. Come and learn from me. And John 13, 13 says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Teacher, Lord, Master. He's in charge. We're not in charge. Jesus is in charge. He's the Master. He's the teacher. He's the Savior. He invites us into this relationship. And then in John 15, he says this, 13, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So Jesus lets us know who he is, right? He's Savior. He's Teacher. He's Lord. He's Master. And he's our friend. And who are we in that relationship? If he's the Savior, who are we? We're the saved, right? We're the ones that are saved. Again, by his love, by, by his love, his grace, his mercy, the price he paid, we are the saved ones. We are the rescued ones. Colossians, Colossians says we've been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light. That's the work that God, Jesus, did for us. We're the saved. We're the rescued. the redeemed. We're the disciples. We're the students. We're the followers. We're learning and growing from him. And we're his friends. In John 15, the vine and the branches, again, he says, we get to abide in him, and he abides in us. So this is good news. This is the second good news that Jesus brings, is that through him there is reconciliation, there is redemption. We can abide in him. And our response is, again, to say what? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? That is available to me? Yes, I want that. I want to live in the reality of that relationship. I accept your love, your sacrifice, and enter into that relationship. I believe him. I trust him. And I rely on him, and I choose to live life with Christ. Third piece of good news Jesus brings to us is the good news in regard to the Holy Spirit. Jesus explains to his disciples it's actually going to be better if I go away. Because if I go away, the Father, remember that loving Father, is going to send the Holy Spirit who will be with you. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. You'd be left on your own to figure this out. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he goes on to share how the Holy Spirit will be our teacher, our counselor, our guide. He'll remind us of what 
God has said. John 14, he says again, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is good news, right? That we are not left alone to figure this out. It's one thing to know we're loved. It's one thing to be redeemed and reconciled and put in this relationship. But we know the rest of the story is we're going to be called to live this out while we're still here. And we cannot do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. It can't be done. If it could have been done, Jesus wouldn't have said all this, right? He wouldn't have said it's better if I go because God will send the helper. So he knows we needed a helper. The Holy Spirit is sent to us. He helps us know the heart of the Father and the mind of Christ, right? We can read all about it, but to know it in our knower right here, that's the Holy Spirit's work. Remember it said, he confesses and testifies with our spirit that we are children of the living God. We desperately need the Holy Spirit. We need all three of these relationships. And goes on in Corinthians, it reminds us, says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And again in Romans 8, but if the Spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. The point, he dwells in us, right? We're not alone. We'll never be alone again. He is Holy Spirit, his helper, he's teacher, he's counselor, he's comforter, he's guide, and we are vessels. On our best day, we're an empty vessel full of him. That's the best day we're going to have, right? Empty vessel, full of him. Um, so our response is we need to accept him as the gift from the Father and the Son. Like, oh my goodness, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for sending this gift to us and we enter into relationship with the Holy Spirit. And again, do what? Believe him. Second, trust him right, and rely on him. We need to be intimate and dependent. Those are the language we use. Like, there's an intimate relationship. I know him. He knows me. And I'm dependent. I cannot live a day without Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this is the good news about who God is as Father, as Son, as Holy Spirit, and the miracle that we can have personal relationship with them. This is the gospel, the good news, the ultimate hope for our lives, and really it's the ultimate hope for all lives, right? God desires that all of his creation would live in relationship with him. Bless you. Um, I'm sorry. So the good news for all of our lives is that we have been invited into this incredible relationship with a loving Heavenly Father who created us, knows us, cares for us. Relationship with an amazing Lord and Savior who gave his life for us, paid the price for us, and offers to live together with us. And to live connected with him through the Holy Spirit, our constant helper, teacher, and guide the power and presence of God within us. Like, this is amazing, right? That this is available to us. So, when we talk about being fully devoted followers, believing, trusting, obeying, being transformed, demonstrating the love of God, sharing the gospel, further his kingdom, all those things that we talk about so that the world will know who God is, it starts with us accepting the relationship with God, with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Do you agree? Like, that's a must. If we don't get this, like I said last week, we'll be trying to do all the right things without the right stuff. We got to get the right stuff first. We got to get the fullness of what God has for us. And if you think about, think about these relationships, how they would affect your daily life, 
right? Like we really were living in the reality of this loving Heavenly Father who knows us and cares for us and provides for us. Knowing that you are loved, you live life differently, right? You live life differently. Knowing the relationship with Jesus as Savior who gave his life, redeemed us, right? A Lord who we choose to follow, a friend who will never leave you, you will live your life different. Knowing the Holy Spirit is with us, as helper and teacher guide, again, we'll live our lives differently. Bless you. Um, bless you. So, obviously, the question for us is, are we believing, trusting, and relying on these relationships? Are we fully persuaded? Does it impact our daily lives? And unfortunately, I think there's a problem that we have right now. I think there's a problem when we say one thing about God, but we live our lives as if it wasn't true. We say we have a loving Heavenly Father, yet many Christians live in doubt, fear, anxiety, worry, not sure they're loved, not sure they're cared for. We say we have a Lord and Savior, yet many Christians live in guilt, shame, bondage, running their own lives. We say we have a constant helper, this Holy Spirit, yet we act like it's up to us to figure it out. We're kind of on our own. So our faith in God and these relationships is really at the core of our ability to live in the fullness of what God desires for us. This is the core. And it's also at the core of our witness to the world. So in case you haven't noticed, the world doesn't care what we say. They want to see if there's something real about this God that we speak of. Words aren't going to cut it anymore. The world's not impressed with our words. They want to see if there's something real. When people look at your life, can they tell that you have a great, loving, heavenly Father who cares for you? Can they tell that you have a Savior and Lord? Can they tell that you have a great comforter, a helper, and guide? That's a good question, isn't it? Because people can tell. It's not that hard to tell. I spent 18 years working with uh, teenagers. And it doesn't take long talking to a 13-year-old girl before you can tell whether or not she knows she has a father who loves her. Right? It doesn't take long talking to a 15-year-old boy to find out if he has friends and family who care about him and support him. It shows, right? It doesn't take long talking to a 35-year-old man to find out who's in charge of their life. It shows. It's evident. It's no secret. <laughs> we may like to think they're impressed with what we say, but you can tell how people live their lives. You can tell what kind of relationships they're living life out of. And so that's a question for us, because if we are really believing and trusting and living in the reality of these three relationships, guess what? You handle things differently, don't you? You treat others differently. It comes out in the way you treat others. It comes out in the way you use your time your resources, your money, the way you live your daily life will be different. And it'll give witness to the fact that God is real. <laughs> that Jesus Christ is who he said he is, he's real, and my life has been transformed, and I'm living life in the reality of these relationships. It will show. It'll be evident. And our lives are just not going to look the same. Our lives will reveal and demonstrate who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is. And we'll begin living in the fullness of our new identity. And our identity, our identity is that we are children of a living God, disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, and vessels and hosts for Holy Spirit. 
right? That's, that's our identity. This is what God wants for us to experience, and it's the evidence, it's the proof, it's the witness that the world desperately needs to see right now. And that's one of the things driving some of these conversations is we recognize in this place and time the world is just not impressed with Christians or the church, and a lot of it is because they're not seeing something that's so different. If they look at us and we're just as worried and anxious and bitter and greedy as they are, Except we get to go to heaven is all, I mean, and I believe we do get to go to heaven. <laughs> but most people right now aren't concerned with heaven and hell. They're concerned with life today. And one of the biggest fears is living life alone. And what is the good news? We're not alone. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that is good news to a world that feels alone. We need to bring that good news to them, and we need to bring it in a way that they can see. It's not a theory that we talk about on Sunday. It's a reality. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, even Friday and Saturday, right? It's a reality. That's what the world desperately needs to know. And it'll become obvious in our life as we experience more of this. It'll become obvious where we dwell. I love that idea. People will be able to tell where we live. <laughs> she must live in the kingdom. She's living in a different country than me, <laughs> right? So the question for us this morning is, are we living in this? Are we living in the fullness of this? And to what degree? Because we recognize we can know all about these things and not experience them, right? My story, one of my, part of my story is this Heavenly Father thing, right? Like, I didn't know that. I didn't experience the love of the Father until nine years ago, until I was 50 years old. I was a Christian for a long time before that, and I assumed that the Father had to love me because Jesus died for me. I figured he had to put up with me. I didn't think he liked me. There was no exchange of love. It was a, more of a fearful uh, performance relationship. I tried to do the right thing every day. I tried to do the right thing every day. And then one day in 2010, God said to me, he said, it's finished. And I'm like, what's finished? <laughs> I'm just starting today. It's in the morning. Like, what's finished? And he said, you never again have to worry about whether or not you are, you are all right with me. And it's like, What? Like, that's what I do. <laughs> that's my life. Every day I wonder if I'm all right with you. I wonder if I'm doing enough of the right things. I'm what, what am I going to do? Right? And what God was letting me know was that he loved me as a father, and I was his, and I could live in the reality of that relationship. And I never had to wonder again whether or not I was in that relationship. Right? And I've experienced amazing things. And mainly just like open up all my time because all, all that mental, emotional capacity you spend in guilt or shame or doubt or fear, what if that was gone? Oh, my goodness, your capacity for life is huge, <laughs> right? You can do all kinds of things if you're not bound up in that. So, again, we can know all about it, but God wants us to know it. He wants us to know him. He wants us to experience the fullness of that. So to what degree, and this is, this is where it gets real, to ask yourselves, to what degree are you believing and trusting in God as the Father who loves you and cares for you? And to know that you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in anxiety. You don't have to live in peace because he is who he says he is. And to what degree are you trusting in Jesus who saves us, forgives us, reconciled us? He's master and friend. We don't have to live in guilt and shame anymore. And we don't have to be in charge. He's, he's a good master. We can trust him. We can follow him. And are you believing and trusting in Holy Spirit as this constant helper that you're never alone, that he's a counselor, a guide, a teacher? You don't have to figure it all out. You have to listen. <laughs> you have to obey. But you don't have to figure it out. And it's a big shift. 
How many of you can sense that? How many of you try to figure life out? Right? That's a lot of work. Sometimes we get it right, sometimes we don't, right? But to know, I don't have to figure it out, but I have to listen, and I have to obey. So it still takes energy, but it's just a shift in it. It's so freeing to be able to spend your time listening and obeying instead of scratching your head trying to figure it out. So good news, this is the kind of life that God is offering us. This is what God desires for us. Remember from last week, it's not what God requires of us. It's what God desires for us. And he will lead us into the things that he desires for us. He will help us live in the reality of this relationship. This is so, so, so important. Don't skip this. If it was up to me, I would spend six months just on relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let's forget about transformation. Let's forget about going out there and changing the world. Let's just get this part right. Because out of this, everything else is affected. And I tend to believe, looking through the eyes I look through, that Jesus would say the same thing. It's interesting if you read... uh, during Jesus' last hours with his disciples in the upper room, the last few hours he has together, John 13, so John chapter 13 through 17, again, it's like four chapters of red letters, Jesus explains this relationship. He explains the Father, he explains the Son, he explains the Holy Spirit, paints this beautiful picture of the branch and the vine in John 15, that we can abide in him, that the Holy Spirit is teacher guide, and then chapter 17 he ends with the great priestly prayer, we call it, where he prays to the Father, Father, be with them, right? Be with them. Sanctify them. It's a beautiful picture of the relationships that God has for us. So I think it's that important that Jesus, if, if you had the last three hours with somebody, what would you tell them? You'd tell them the most important thing you want them to know. And that's what Jesus spends that time explaining these relationships. Uh, so I'd encourage you to read that section again. So are you experiencing the reality of these relationships? To what degree are you experiencing them? To what degree do they impact and direct your life? Here's the question. Do you want to be experiencing more of those in the days ahead? Yes? Maybe? Yes. Right? Do we want that? The question is, do we want what God wants? If we know God wants this for us, and Jesus did everything for us to experience this, then we should want more of that. We should be hungry for more of that. I know I want more of that. I want to grow in this and develop and become more intimate, more dependent with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it starts by just saying yes to the invitation to believing him, to trusting him, to relying on him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So our response is to say yes. And how do we grow in it? How does it become greater in the days ahead? Well, it's a relationship. So just like anything, it takes time. It takes being together with God. It takes spending time in his presence, believing him, trusting him, reading through the scriptures. One of the things I'm going to give you here is on the back sheet of your paper that you have there. Go ahead and flip that over if you haven't already. Um, Because like a lot of God things, it's like these are truths. They're things that God has done. They're things God wants. There's things that we need to experience, but it takes time. And we have to remind ourselves of what it is God has for us. And so this is a morning prayer. You can do it any time of the day, but it's designed as a morning prayer to remind us of these amazing relationships that we have. They are a a spiritual truth. They may not be our personal reality, and that's where things need to change, right? Spiritual truth should become personal realities. So I'm going to read through this, and this is just a, a reminder of who he is and who we are and the beauty of the relationships that we can have with him. Good morning, Father. Jesus, Holy Spirit, today I choose to live by faith 
believing, trusting, and relying on the present reality of these three relationships. Father, you are my heavenly Father. You have chosen to call me your child, and that is what I am! Exclamation point. You have invited me into this relationship by your amazing grace and by the giving of your Son, Jesus Christ. You have lavished your love on me. You have kind intentions towards me. Today, I accept the reality of this relationship, and I choose to walk in it as a beloved child. Jesus, I recognize you as my Lord and Master. You are the ruler of all. You have been given all authority in heaven and on earth and in my life. You are in charge, and I choose to follow you. These are choices we're making here. You are not only master, but you are savior as well. You gave your life and paid a high price so that I could be reconciled to the Father and brought into your kingdom. In you is found justification, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. You gave it all that I might have eternal life now and with you, the Father and Holy Spirit. You are not only Lord and Savior, but you are also friend. You have chosen to abide in me and made the way for me to abide in you. Today, I can live life in you, knowing that you are always with me. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I recognize that you are given as a helper, a constant companion, comforter, counselor, and guide. You are the teacher that will lead me into all truth. You are the one who continues to reveal the heart of the Father and the mind of Christ to me. You are sealed with me. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Today, I choose to believe and live in the reality of this relationship with my Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit, accepting my identity as a child of God, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and a vessel of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, it is by your grace and for your glory that I live today. Amen. What a great way to start the day, right? It's like waking up and remembering the reality of those relationships. If that is who God is and that is who I am and that's the nature of the relationship, this is going to be a good day in his kingdom, right? Which is much better than a lousy day in this world. <laughs> We've all woken up feeling alone, facing a lousy day in this world. I'd much rather wake up knowing who God is, whose I am, and live a day in his kingdom and bring this kingdom to bear on this world. And I believe that's what God wants for us. He wants us to live in the reality of that. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to uh, wrap up this morning by taking communion. And when we take communion today, we're going to uh, come up and get the things from the front. And um, Clint will come up and play some music here shortly. Or he might, he might, even, be on, he might even be on his way now. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty good cue. Uh, But again, our confession is, I hope it's our confession. I hope it's a deep-seated need and confession and desire in your heart. If it's not already, I pray it grows, that you want to live in the reality of these relationships with your Heavenly Father, with Jesus Christ, with Holy Spirit, to experience the reality of that. And then the ongoing growing and maturing, right? It's a, it's a decision to accept, to trust, and rely on Him. It's a lifetime of living by faith each morning, waking up, reminding ourselves of what God has for us and to say yes to that. So as you take communion today, communion is a, 
it's like a lot of things. It's a ritual that reminds us of a spiritual truth. It's a thing we do when we come together in Jesus to remind ourselves of the work that Jesus did. That after he came, after he delivered the good news of the three relationships, after he demonstrated what it looks like to live in the reality of that, then he kind of sealed the deal by giving his life. Like, think about that, right? You come, you got a few years to share the good news, demonstrate what it looks like, but then you know for it to really be real for all these people, you have to give your life. And Jesus chose to do that because he wants so desperately what the Father wants so desperately, which is for us to live in relationship with him. So Jesus came and he did, said, do this in remembrance of me, that because of his broken body, because of his poured out blood, we can have this incredible relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I want to invite you today, as you come up and take communion, do it in remembrance of what Jesus did. Do it in light of knowing why he did it. It was not so we could go to heaven when we die. It's so we can live in relationship with God today and every day. And when we die, apparently the relationship just gets better. <laughs> right? But when you take it, recognize that's what it's for. God is inviting you into this relationship, and I want, you to, I want to encourage you to say yes to that. And say, yes, God, I want what you want, and I want more of it than I have ever settled for. So I'll, let me pray, and then you can just come on up and grab it. Oh, and just take it back to your seats and take it as you're ready. Don't wait for everybody. Just come back and take it in the presence of God, in the remembrance of what Jesus did, and accepting the reason he did it, and say yes to that. Father God, we just thank you for this time in your presence. God, we thank you that it is your incredible love for us that calls us and reminds us each and every day of what Jesus did for us, and that each day we can confess that, and we can step into that, and we can experience the reality of relationship with you. So, God, we just ask right now as we, as we celebrate and acknowledge the work that Jesus did, God, I pray you would help us to receive the reality of what it's all for so that we might have eternal life now, that we might know the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit today and every day. Amen. Go ahead and come as you're ready, and we'll wrap up in a little bit. Again, Father, we thank you that, Lord, it is your desire, your intent, your plan that we live life in relation ship with you first and foremost so again we thank you that you have done everything necessary for that and we just say yes continue to work in our lives lord that uh, our lives would demonstrate who you really are and what life with you is really like these things we ask and pray in jesus name amen amen yep. um Anyway, I want to leave you with an encouragement, assignment, if you will. I uh, would encourage you to read what I call the bookends of the Gospels. Matthew 4, 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus comes on the scene and he introduces this new life, this new kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand, and he describes that so well. And then again, for the next three years, he demonstrates that and lives it out. And you get to John 13, 17, another four chapters of red letters. <laughs> Jesus wrapping it up, saying, this is how you will live in the kingdom 
after I'm gone. In the reality of relationship with Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, the vine and the branch, the branch life, right? I want to live the branch life. I just want to live the branch life, right? That's what he has for us and the Holy Spirit. The bookends of the gospel, the introduction and the conclusion, so much of what God desires for us is wrapped up in those. So I would encourage you to read that. Um, listen, continue to ask God, what do you want for me? And then continue to say, yes, God, I want what you want. Next week when we come together, even though I just said I'd love to spend six months on personal relationship, and I would, we only have four weeks. So the next week we're going to talk about personal transformation. But we are always and only going to talk about it in the context of personal relationship. Personal transformation does not happen without personal relationship. You may get some sin management and some behavior modification, but you don't get transformation outside of relationship. So that's what we'll uh, share and believe together about when we come next week. Right? We want to believe together that this is what God has for us, and it's possible. You got a little verse we could close with? We got time to stand up and praise God together? All right, let's do that. Thank you.